Good morning. Thanks for weathering the elements and the challenge with parking as well. So if you're struggling with lack consciousness, just look at the snow that showed up for us. It just came from the heavens, didn't it? All right. So welcome. I'm Reverend Patrick Cameron. I'm the spiritual director here. And if you're here for the first time, we welcome you. And if you're joining us for the hundredth time, uh, we welcome you as well. And uh, we have a lot of wonderful things that we want to, I think, important things we want to share today. So thanks for making the trip, being part of this. We have shiny new floors uh, throughout the place, and I'm very grateful. We'll talk about that a little bit today. Um, but in that, everything gets moved, and so then I get to go find where everything was put that I used to have in places. And I found my gong, so just to get you, let you know, I'm tracking that down. <clears throat> So what I'm going to do is I'm going to sound the gong. I'm going to um, invite us to drop into 30 seconds of silence. Just connect with yourself. Connect with that, that higher self, if possible. And as we talked about it at the meditation today, if you weren't there, it's, it's, it's helpful to sense it, to feel it. And because um, awareness comes and goes. We're going to talk about that today from Dr. Holmes' beautiful book, Living the Science of Mind. But anyway, as I sound the gong, just... Drop into the silence. I will share a chant in this very room and then I will do an affirmative prayer. So let's begin. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And so speaking in the first person, speaking in the I am, but knowing it for each person here, because what we... We teach and attempt to live to the best of our ability as the unit of consciousness, that there is only one life, one power, one infinite divine intelligence that expresses uniquely and powerfully in and through and as each and every one of us, that each one of us comes from that source of life, that it is eternal, perennial, that we are, each and every one of us, here to explore, to express, to develop, and in many ways to bring mastery and transformation to our lives. In mastery, not over others, but over ourselves, over those aspects of ourselves that embarrass us. Those aspects of ourselves 
that are our gifts and talents and joys? And how do we integrate that? How do we live a life of wholeness and of richness and of value? How do we understand who we are and whose we are at a deeper and deeper level that the, the persona that we are, the ego that we are, is simply becomes the mask for the divinity and the beauty that we are. So I give thanks this day knowing that I am guided and you are guided in every good way. That there's a power and a presence here that if we are available to it and welcome it, court the presence and practice the principle, one life, one power, one infinite divine intelligence, that life is spirit's life. That life is my life now. Opens us in ways that we cannot even imagine. So to live in the wonder and the joy and understand we are never alone, that we are right where we need to be by right of consciousness, and that we can change our awareness, our perspective, our attitudes, and have ourselves transformed each and every day in a beautiful way. For this I give thanks, I release these words and invite you to say with me, and so it is. All righty. Well, we're celebrating 100 years of the science of mind in 2018, and uh, this month we're looking at the Living the Science of Mind book, which is a beautiful book, and I see some of you have your Science of Mind textbook, so awesome to bring that along because we'll, we'll reference that throughout the month as well. So transforming lives this month, we wanted to focus on love <clears throat> because love is such a powerful entity. It's February. It's also Valentine's month for Valentine's Day, and, and um, so love is a, is a beautiful... Uh, idea to express. So today at the 10 a.m. service, which is where you are right now, if you didn't know, we are looking at to be human is to embody a paradox. And the chapter in the science, living the science of mind is self-awareness is not enough. There's a picture up there of Dr. Holmes. And at 11.30, we're going to talk about partner, partnering, how to love each other without losing ourselves, which is a really a wonderful book by Hal and Sidra Stone. So we're doing two different talks each Sunday. And we thank you for your support with that. We just felt that it was, there's, there's so much good information out there and we wanted to provide, our, we're here to serve. We, wanna, we, we want the best for the world and we know that offer the best of ourselves and, and the best that we can possibly do uh, is why we, we exist. Why are we here? We're here to transform lives. And some of the programs and the announcements I'll reference today as well, but um, in our se uh, Season for Nonviolence, which we launched this week, very powerful activity and, and, and wonderful to be part of it. So three ideas that I want to talk to you today about. One is paradox, two is self-awareness, and then three is self-expression. And all of these in this beautiful um, uh, chapter inspired by the, Living the Science of Mind, which is really nice because it's a bit more narrative. It's a bit more contextual in terms of individual chapters and stories about how we apply this this perennial philosophy in our lives. And, and the things I'm going to share with you, many of you, most of you already know. But the beautiful thing about what Dr. Holmes did for us is he put it in a context and he gave us some articulation that is still relevant. He wrote most of this back in the 19, from 1920 some to up until he made his transition in 1960. A beautiful, beautiful man, metaphysician, um, scholar, reader. He was a voracious reader, he read everything. They said that you never knew if he was at his desk or not because he wasn't a big man. He was only about five foot three in stature, but he had books stacked on his desk so, so high that the secretary never knew if he was back there reading or if he was somewhere else. So she'd have to walk around and see if he was in his chair. But he, he studied and read all of the philosophies and he, he boiled it down into what he felt was the crux of what all of the, the various traditions were trying to express. So this idea of paradox. Paradox is a statement or situation that completely defies logic. 
It just doesn't make sense. And I've looked at paradox, and there's all kinds of things on YouTube around paradox. A statement that, that this statement is false, they use as an example of, of paradox. So, um, and they go on and on. and on. There's a, It goes back to the Greeks. The Greeks would use paradox to get people thinking and, and, and uh, to open the mind up in a sense because it's an open-ended question. And I won't go into those examples and, and so the paradox that I want to address with you today is this idea that we are human and yet we're, we're divine. The difference between being human and divine. Have you ever noticed that that seems to be many times throughout our, our life that it seemed, we seem to be much more human than divine? If you want to check it out, um, Dr. Tom Costa used to tell all the students, and Dr. Tom was, was, a, was a bartender that became a minister. Uh, so he was dealing with spirit. He just upgraded his level of spirit at some point in time. Built a beautiful church in Palm Springs, if you've ever been there. Beautiful work that's still thriving. And, and uh, a lot of the metaphysicians that retired from Los Angeles moved to Palm Springs. So there's a, there's a, a steady stream of folks, metaphysicians, moving into Palm Springs all the time. But Dr. Tom said, if you want to see how you're doing on your spiritual journey, go into the bank one day and pick out the longest line to stand in and see how you do. And see if your humanity or your divinity shows up. But we always have that opportunity. Always, we're always challenged by that. And so, um, what, what Holmes talks about in this chapter, and it's a short chapter, I've actually got it on three pages here. But he says, initially, the, the, the paradox between being human and, and being spiritual, that, that self-awareness is not enough, is the title of the chapter. And what he means by that is, he, let's talk about meeting situations as they come along, and meeting them without fear, without in any way trying to avoid them. For every issue of life must be met right where it is, and what is wrong must be made right. What is wrong must be made right. So how do we do that? Do we go out and save the world? It's, it's really around consciousness. It's really how we meet all of it in life. And, and it is so important. So what he talks about in this chapter, he said this, this coming to understand our psychological difficulties and how to clear the passageway in order that the original source of life, which many people would call God, I read an article the other day, I think it's the, the, uh, the Episcopalian bishops got together, and they're trying to find another word besides God because they feel that God is very male in its aspect. So they picked out a Jewish word, and I think it's uh, Shahida, which actually means God with breast. So uh, we're, we're struggling to find a word or a designator for it, but God is both male and female. God is not, we don't look at God as an anthropomorphic God, an old man with a white beard. But that is some of the context people put into it. It's an energetic field. It's love, beauty, and joy. He also references that. But it's coming to understand our psychological difficulties and how to clear the passageway in order that the original source of life which he also used, he used life a lot, Dr. Holmes, to describe this infinite presence, this vibration, that may flow through as unobstructed. So the next piece to this, I have a slide on. The mind is filled with the accumulated doubts of the ages, as though a vast abyss of doubt, fear, uncertainty were standing between you and your desires. So what he understands is that we teach a philosophy of oneness, non-duality, that God is all there is, but we have been given complete dominion we are free to do, live this life however we want. And so when we see people living lives that we, would not, we don't support and we don't understand, they are, they, are, they are taking advantage of that liberty one way or another. This is life. We have all of humanity that we're looking out at the world for. 
And so what Holmes is encouraging us to do is to come to an understanding of our psychological difficulties. One of the reasons that we're bringing the Q process to our community and continuing to encourage people to go through it over and over again, it's a new practice. And what it helps us do is to understand our psychological difficulties and to, and to clear the passageway in order for this divine life to more fully express through us. Now, we can sign up for that or not. When I was a kid, I was told to behave a certain way or I was going to burn in hell forever. And that works till you're about 12 years old. And you go, oh, I'm never going to have any fun if I keep doing that. I, got, I just got to go for it. But it was, that was the narrative that made sense for many. And it worked for many. Well, it does, I don't think it works well. But it, it was sort of a way to control. And what I loved about finding Dr. Ernest Holmes' philosophy is we are here. We have complete freedom. We are here to either partner with and be more of a clean, hollow vessel of divine expression, as Ralph Waldo Emerson said, or not. Because then what can move through us can delight us and surprise us and challenges us and opens us up, and it transforms us when we're about this activity. But it's not easy work. It's easier. I'm going to talk about the many selves, second service. You're not going to want to miss it, by the way. So if you've got something planned, you should make a call right now move it back but the, there's many selves that live in here when we do the Q process we get to look at the many selves like there's there's a thing have you ever heard of Karpman syndrome Karpman syndrome have you heard of it or are you just stretching I'm gonna do that too that looks good anyway because it's you know when we're cold all the time I have a tendency to want to like not open my arms up but anyway you guys know what it's like to be cold I'm sure you do um, but with Karpman syndrome it's a it's a triangle of, of operating and there's the victim. Anybody here ever met a victim? Ever experienced being a victim? There we go. There's victim. There's oppressor. To be a victim, you've got to have an oppressor, right? And then there is rescuer. And so remember Mighty Mouse? Mighty Mouse is a cartoon. And I was like, here I am to save the day. That's Cartman syndrome. We, we, did a, we did an intervention here years ago with a group of our practitioners and ministers. And... This beautiful retired nun came in, lovely, lovely presence, and she said, you folks are trapped in Karpman syndrome. I thought, hmm, I don't know what that is. I went home and Googled and found out, oh my gosh, we're trapped in Karpman syndrome. And so what happens is, is that people look, uh, get victimized, then all of a sudden they realize that, that because they're victimized, they look around and see who else is being victimized, and then they decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a stand for that, those other people. I'm here to take a stand for those other people. And they become the rescuer. And in becoming the rescuer, in order to perpetuate it, eventually they become the, the oppressor. It's a cycle that we drop into. It's the many selves that we have. And unless we wake up to it, see, this is part of the psychological clearing that Holmes was talking about. Unless we wake up to it, we just keep playing it out and playing it out. And the infinite says, you got it. You got it. You're victim today, great. Oh, you're oppressor today, great. Well, if you're an oppressor, if, if one of the many selves, one of your core beings is oppressor, you're always looking for ways to help victimize others. And see, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, good or bad. Let's not, let's not go there. I'm just saying it's what we play out. And because I think we're here to have the full experience of life. But as we, all of a sudden we transform that and realize, you know what, who did I come here to be? When the cue process, you get a cue card. Who did I come here not to be? Who did I come here to be? It's very simple, but it's hard because it's every day. It's every day. I have a friend that works a 12-step program diligently, sponsors many people, and he says to me, my favorite saying is now, the, word, the only bad day I ever have is the day I don't get my own way. 
And I was like, hallelujah, yeah. So when we bring wisdom to it, when we bring a new insight to it, see, I watch this go on over and over. I've been at this 20 years. And what happens in my role, I get to see, I almost didn't do this. Because when I was growing up, I drove my dad crazy because I was so sensitive. My mother would, you know, she, my mother was always depressed. When you have 11 children, you're always depressed. I don't care who you are, okay? I love my mom. I'm not blaming my mom. I'm just saying, I can look at my mom and say, depressed. The reason I would know that is she would be driving us along in her station wagon because we always had a station wagon to get, you know, half a dozen of us anywhere at one point in time. And she'd start crying. You know, tears would be rolling down her cheeks, just crying and crying and crying. And so I didn't know what to do as a little boy, so I'd just cry with her. You know, I didn't know, she didn't have the words and I didn't have the words, but we sure, but we sure shared the sorrow. I could really identify with my mom's sorrow and sadness. And for, as a little kid, you think, wow, I'm causing this. You know how kids do that? You know, parents divorce and it's their fault. All that stuff, you make up all the stuff in your head. And I drove my dad crazy. Because I think my dad thought I was a little bit loopy. I was so sensitive. And boys aren't sensitive. And boys don't cry. What's wrong with you? So it wasn't ever, how you doing? Come here, let me give you a hug. No, it's like, whack. Stop it. And so Steve says that to me all the time. And I says, stop. He just doesn't whack me. So it's, I can identify with stop it. He just doesn't hit me. But my dad, you know, my dad, all he knew how to do was slap and punch and scream and holler and call you names. And, and so you grow up in that. But I think I drove my dad crazy. I think I scared the heck out of him because he thought, what's going to happen to this kid that is so sensitive? I watched an interview with Sylvester Stallone the other day, and I thought it was so true. He said when he finally made it, he became so full of himself because so many people for so long said, you, you can't do this. You look funny, your eye's funny, you slur your speech, you, your, your, your eyes are too far apart, your eyes are too close together, you're this, you're this, you're this. And he said, and I made it. And he said, you get so full of yourself because, because you want to say to people, see, I told you I could do it. But he said most of the people that make it in that particular industry, and I, I would uh, attest to that because I pursued that myself as a young man, are tough. Because to endure 20 years of rejection, you gotta be tough. And you know what, I wasn't tough enough. Man, I could, I could, I could go and, you, you need this portrayed, I could do it, man. I could bring it and cry at the drop of a hat, memorize the line, I mean, incredibly talented and gifted. I had people, very, very prominent people tell me that. I wasn't tough enough. I couldn't get it because I got so tired of the rejection. And I thought ministry would be easier. Was I wrong? I should have stayed back there and kept working on that. <laughs> Just kidding. But, but what it requires is awareness. You know, part of my journey, I say that was my dream, but not my calling. It requires awareness. And I want that for you, and I want it for me. So that when people come up and they're pointing their finger at you with these unresolved issues, which is psychological. Ernest Holmes said we are spiritual psychology. We're not just this idea of pray harder and things will happen. We actually have to do something. So Holmes says this on the next slide. I think it's the next slide. Or, yeah, let me repeat this. Let's talk about meeting situations as they would come along without fear and without in any way trying to avoid them. For every issue of life must be met right where it is. And what is wrong must be made right. Well, it's what is wrong within us. So I share this story about the little boy that was overly sensitive, that scared the hell out of my dad. You know, I, I think my dad had visions of just horrific visions of what was possible because of the sensitivity. 
And, and, and part of it was, I think, within the group dynamic of family, I was one of the people that stepped up to express what was not being expressed. I see that now. And, so, and what happens, too, is you learn to live with it. You learn to bring it in. You learn to manage it better. Realize that not everything is... Not everything. You don't need a designated crier at every event, if you know what I'm saying. But you think you are when you're five years old. But at home says it means a clearing up in the mind of the unconscious repressions and conflicts which are so deeply buried that we are aware of them only because they re-echo in everything we do, say, and think. See, it's who we are when we have these repressions and we have these, these things that we've been gifted. And it's not just this life. It is we are in this unified field. There's no time and space in the unified field. I know that gets pretty esoteric, but it's true. So what ha- the beautiful thing about that is when something is shifted and transformed in this moment, everything is transformed. So if you had a family, my family, so one of the things I know about my own deepening, my own transforming and cleaning is that as I do this for myself, my dad passed away in 1980, 2002. But I know that when I'm doing this work, it, it, it gifts him. And it gifts the future as well because we're all connected, you see? The healthier you are, I have an opportunity to be healthier too. There's no private good. Your blessing, your grace, your joy, your creativity, your opportunity is a blessing to all of us to put down the competition. The wonderful new book I got turned on to, I'm gonna share in the second service. I know a lot of you can't be here today, so you'll have to buy the tape. But there's a wonderful book that Bill Gates talks about around this idea of enlightenment now and how the amazing things happening on this planet Incredible. The quality of life is extraordinary. But we love, we think, see, we think bad is stronger than good. Anybody here have that experience? We think bad is stronger than good. We think when people get elected and they start going backwards because they want to create the good old days or make their particular country, and I'm from that country, I have two passports, make it great again, and we may not agree with it, we think that's stronger than us taking a stand. And it's not true. It's not true. But most people think it is. Bad is not stronger than good. We are here. We are divine. We are divine presence. We are eternal. We are powerful. Not because of our egoic nature, but the, the force that animates our life is with us at all times. That's our power. That's our grace. That's our joy to take that stand. So Holmes says self-awareness as an individual is one thing. Self-awareness realizing we have a power in the universe is another thing completely. We have a power in the universe. John, can we go back to that other slide? I want to just talk about something there, the one before. Coming to oneself, this coming to understand our psychological difficulties and how to clear the passageway in order that the original source of life may flow through us unobstructed in its broadest sense is called self-awareness. That's self-awareness, understanding what triggers us. When you do the Q process, you get to look at your triggers. It's uncomfortable. I don't want to look at my triggers. I want to, I want to, you know, I'm going to go have another glass of wine, and I won't have to deal with my triggers, if you know that one, or whatever your form of relief is, food, sex, drugs, alcohol, greed, competition, judgment, we're all capable of that. Isn't that a beautiful thing? We can do that anytime we want. We say, I'm never going to judge again. And then we find ourselves the next day judging. And when we have awareness, we go, oh, there I am in the judge. That's the many self. That's the judge. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. As they used to, now oh, you guys wouldn't remember that show. You're too young. 
So self-awareness is, an, is one thing. Self-awareness realizing we have a power in the universe is another thing completely. But he says this. He says self-awareness is not enough. It is merely clearing the track for right action. See, when we start to wake up, many people, I got an invitation to go to a workshop yesterday, and this guy was going to do light work, and I had to shovel snow. Anybody have that dilemma? Yeah. I'm shoveling snow for a few hours, which was good, because I thought about this. I put a lot of this talk together, and I said, I get to do something now. But it's one thing to just have the experience to connect, but it's not enough. It requires activity. He, Holmes says something has to be done with self-awareness. It is merely clearing the track. John, the next slide, I think. Self-awareness is not enough. It is merely clearing the track for right action. Something has to be done with self-awareness. We are not seeking a way to escape from life or living, for this would be the exact opposite of the whole purpose of existence, which is to express the self. We are here to express the self. And we do that more fully and more, and more productively when all that nonsense, all those many selves... See, we, we can, we'll never get rid of the many selves. We just get to decide who's operating today. Who showed up today? The five-year-old? Did the five-year-old show up today? You know, the five-year-old is the one that says, the only days that bad day I have is the day I don't get my way. I have a two-year-old granddaughter. Oh, my gosh. What an amazing example of i got to have my way right now all the time. I'll say to her, okay, we can watch one more Pippa Pig. One more, okay? Yeah, and she like agrees to it, and then I, one more Pippa Pig is over, and it's like, one more? Because that's what one more needs, means to her. Just one more. She's adorable. So what we have to do as adults, Lori and I have to figure out how to distract her, right? Because you're never going to win that argument with a two-year-old, I guarantee you, but you can distract them. Well, what about this? Look at this beautiful book we can read now. But thank God we're at the age we are. Because we watch the parents have the, have the argument all the time. One more bite of food. We watch that happen for hours and hours and hours. That's ah, okay if she doesn't have another bite. So, we do not teach people to sit still and monotonously repeat God is all there is. For while it's true that God is all there is, it's also true that God is everything that is. So this week we went down on, on Tuesday and we launched the season for nonviolence. And it was on CTV if anybody saw it. But it's really about identifying and taking a stand. There's our banner. We took that down and I did an interview on the, on the uh, television. And the, and the guy said, what's this all about? And I said, well, it's the, the memorials of Dr. Martin Luther King and Gandhi. Both of them killed through assassination. And it's really about just take, moving outside the walls of our community and inviting people to become more mindful about how they can, can live from a perspective of nonviolence or peace, as we would call it. And what we did there, and I'm going to invite you, if you weren't there, you can still be part of this, because we handed out this card, which has, and we did it with, in, in partnership with the Metro Center. We did this, uh, and so Reverend Tim Peterson was there, and a number of his members were there, and our members were there, and we read the, the, we, the 14, 15 traditions. We read the blessings for peace from all of the various major traditions. And so I think you have cards there in your program. In the season for nonviolence, the, the information for the centers is on the front. The information for the mandala is on the back. And so there's a mandala here, which is a circle with quality. So for the 64 days, there's a quality each day. And you can go on the website. Then the website is right here in the bottom of the card and find out what that quality is for the day. There's a quotation there. There's an affirmation. And there's a practice. 
And so what we invited people to do, we brought candles that had been lit, and we said, light a candle to symbolize your commitment to accept the courage to practice 64 ways of living nonviolently. And so maybe that's just simply driving different. Maybe it's just simply letting somebody have their go first. Maybe it's a way to find a way where someone's struggling to just reach out to them and say, are you doing okay? How are you? Is there anything I can help you with? It's the little things because it ripples everywhere and it connects everyone. The other piece that we're, we're encouraging people is a small card. I think you have those as well in your program. The smaller one that says, I took compassionate action today. My gift of kindness is. See, it's, it's about waking up and then doing something with the waking up. And whether you, you feel like you've reached enlightenment or not, you can still do something. Because what it does is it takes us out of that spin of our me, 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 me. It's addressed to us if you'd like to mail it in or bring it in. But what we want to do for our closing ceremony at City Hall is we want to share as many of these as we possibly can. And we want to encourage people to continue to do these practices. Because as a community, what we understand is we're all better off when we're in collaboration, when we're in love, when we're in, in cooperation. Holmes says there's an incessant urge back of everything to create, to express life, to come to the gratification of happiness, peace, joy, and self-expression. Self-awareness is not enough. It is merely clearing the track for right action. The season for nonviolence is about right action for the world. And believe me, there's, there's a ton of good breaking out. We are titillated. The majority of people are titillated by the bad. You know, you go through the, unless you go to the documentary channel on, the, on Netflix, you're going to just see bad. You know, somebody did something bad to somebody and then they re, somebody revenges it or it's a, you know, whatever it may be. There's a good guy, bad guy. We love good guy, bad guy, don't we? Oh, and then when the good guy prevails, oh, sense of relief. That's crazy. But that's part of our human nature. That's our humanity. I bet you the Dalai Lama doesn't watch hardly any of that. Although John of God, when we were with John of God, he loves Clint Eastwood, so go figure. <laughs> Big Clint. Something has to be done with self-awareness. We are not seeking a way to escape from life or living, for this would be the exact opposite of the whole purpose of existence, which is to express life itself. We have hands and feet as well as a mind. And unless the hands and feet are employed, together with all of our faculties, we shall not come into complete self-expression. This is why physical therapeutics is used. People are told to do something with their hands and feet, to paint a picture, to write a poem or a song, to learn to dance, to have a hobby, to play golf, to enjoy life, all which means entering into the spirit of living and being some part of it. And Holmes, this is from Dr. Holmes, Living the Science of Mind. Self-awareness without self-expression, this is key, can almost as readily produce emotional disturbances as can the lack of self-awareness. So when we wake up and we're not applying it in some meaningful way, it can, it can create a lot of confusion for us. It's not enough to wake up. It's waking up and then taking the waking up out into our lives and being it. It can easily become another frustration, causing the mind to continually revert to itself and become self-centered. Life must be expansive and expressive. One is not happy unless one has purpose in living. 
I mentioned I didn't make it to the workshop yesterday, but my understanding of the workshop was another modality to connect with spirit. And I thought, I'd rather shovel snow. I know how to connect with spirit. I'm going to connect with spirit while I'm shoveling snow. And I'm not critical of that. But how many times do I need to go to a workshop and, and people tell me, you are the divine source of life and we're going to connect with it right now and let me show you how I do it. And I love that and it's wonderful. But I thought, my God, I've been there, done that. I bought the t-shirt dozens and dozens of times. And so it's part of the discernment. I didn't have to, to, to tear anything down. I didn't have to, I just said, I'm, I'm going to do something else with my time. So I went out and I shoveled walks for neighbors and up and down the lane. And I thought, you know, I can stay connected to spirit this way. And I would have benefited by going and spending time in the workshop too. I know that. But I asked myself, my heart of hearts, what am I called to do? And I trust that. And, and, and for us to have that awareness, so isn't it nice to make peace with whatever decision you make and not feel guilt and shame because you might let somebody down? Too frequently, Holmes says, older people become frustrated because there's no longer anything to engage their attention. I, I can I point to my dad. That was my dad. They must find something that will take up their time, whether it be gardening or calling the sick or helping take care of someone's children. Any activity that engages the attention and produces the gratification of outward self-expression is not only good, but necessary. We gotta stay in the game. That's why we're here. You realize if we bring, if we bring world peace, if we clear up all this discord, if we, got, we master all our, our uh, triggers, if everybody on the planet was doing their own work and integrating their shadow and all the things that we talk about here, there would be no need to come here. There would be no need for this life because it would be heaven. We might as well just stay put. Stay with source. So that's part of the adventure. But when we can look at it with, with wisdom and, and greater clarity and depth and understand it, and when we see people acting in ways we don't understand, you realize, wow, there's some unresolved issues there. And to know for that person and to know for that situation that a greater consciousness is emerging or not. But see, we, we, can't, we can influence who we are in the observation. And I think sometimes we discount that because it's very important. After we've come to self-awareness, Holmes says we must start expressing again, no matter what our age. Engage in the joy of living and do it with others. This well-integrated person gets along with other people. Are you getting along with other people well-integrated? Or are you pretending? Repressing those unresolved issues to get along with other people isn't helping. It's about, it's about showing up and having done our work, having be prayed up, be connected, be grounded in the truth of being that life is eternal, something powerful and wonderful is happening. And we get to decide what we're going to impress upon it. If you look to the sides here, we have Vision 2020. There's a proclamation we invited people to sign. And we have a vision over here of the possibility of what a facility might look like here. We're not here about a building. But it's sure a wonderful thing to think about. What could we do? I think we have a valuable, important message to share with the world. I think we are, we are part of a tribe that believes in the possibility. And if we don't give it something to, to focus on in a direction, it is this or something better. How can we share this message more effectively? How can we live it more effectively? How can we be a presence of good, a force for good upon this planet that is longing for relief the fear, you know, the, the, the politics, the economics, the things that are before us. How do we stand in that? Because we create it collectively. 
And so for us to have these experiences of what looks like bad and realize that's just the cycle, the tide went out. But to take a stand for something that's good and purposeful and powerful. And to know that the more and more we do that, we influence one another. There's no private good, Dr. Holmes said. So we've done that. We've launched a season for nonviolence. We're stepping out in a new way. We're inviting people. And we don't know what's going to come out of this. I just said, let's do this. After 20 years of ministry, let's participate in this. Let's give our energy to this. If we shift and change one life, Dr. Barnum, my teacher's teacher, who was a great teacher in Southern California, said, if you change but one mind and that mind is your own, you've done your job. So I'm here, I'm here changing my mind about the limitations. What can I break through today? What can I find a new perspective on? How can I be a force for good on this planet? How can I embody more and more the truth of my being? Because I wasn't nurtured that way. And you probably weren't either. If you were, God bless you. You know? I'm, and, and, and so here, and I had to grow into the sensitivity as a little boy. And, and, and whatever you've had to grow into and manage in a different way, how can you take compassionate action? Take, a, take some cards with you. Write them down. Share with us. We had a guy come to the door the other day, yesterday, and he was raising money for uh, phenol uh, drug addiction. And he wanted 25 bucks. I said, can I get a tax receipt? He said, no. And I said, well, and it was a box of cookies. I said, I'll give you 20 bucks. I don't want the box of cookies. But here's this guy. I don't know, it was minus 20-something. He's out there, and he's doing this speech. And I just thought, oh. And then I gave him the 20. And Laura said, did you get a receipt? I said, no. And I thought, well, he probably just put the 20 in his pocket. And I thought, that's none of my business. I'm not, I gave that away. That's a gift. Wherever it goes, if he needs the 20 bucks to put in his pocket, good for him. You know what, 10 years ago, I would have been following him down the street asking him questions over the 20 bucks. I don't need to do a movie on that. Wherever that 20 bucks needs to go, it's going. And that's good. And I said to Laura, I said, look, there was my act of compassion, my compassionate act today. Somebody had the courage and the willingness to step up at minus 20, knock on my door, offer me a box of cookies. I don't want your cookies, buddy, but I want to support your cause. You know, do you realize we had... Uh, um, Paul Woida, if you guys haven't come to our concert series, oh my God, it's incredible. Last, last Sunday night, Paul Woida and Aaron Kay were here. He said, oh, thank you. And Paul shared, Paul shared. So they asked us why we're doing this season for nonviolence. And I said, man, there's people suffering in the world. And wherever, wherever children are being bullied, wherever women are being, groups are being marginalized, wherever women are being discounted. And I'll tell you what, the women have to lead the way. The women, this feminine energy has to lead the way. I'm, I mean, I'd love to tell you the guys can do it, but man, we just keep messing it up. It's up to you gals, and I want to support this in any way and shape I can. Because man, we've had it long enough. We need to, yeah, hallelujah, yeah. Stretch again. But it's this feminine energy for all of us that's going to lead the way. And I know that. So Paul White has said that the stress level, he works with bullying in schools. An amazing guy. This guy was incredible. I mean, you missed it. It was amazing. He's a one-man band up here. He's got all these, he's looping and all these sounds going. Like, Woo! And he said that the stress level amongst high school students right now matches the stress level that psychiatric patients had in the 1960s. What are we doing with our kids? This is our responsibility. What are we doing with our kids? How much fear? Dr. Holmes says at the beginning of this chapter, let's meet situations without fear. I went in week after week after week and worked with my minister. And every time I met with her, because I wanted some relief, and she'd laugh at me and say, there's nothing to fear. 
What are these children so stressed about? These young people. I don't want to give them pharmaceuticals. I don't want to, I want to be able to bring consciousness and awareness. Let's model something. Let's look at the triggers. So we can look it in the face. Dr. Holmes said, look at it till it no longer has power over you. He says it over and over in his writing. So we're doing season for nonviolence, and I'm proud of us for doing that. I'm just, thank you for your support. Thank you for being there. I'm looking forward. Take some cards with you. Fill them out. You know what? You set an intention to do a random act of kindness today. It'll show up. I wasn't expecting that kid to come to the door. But then when I got done, I, you know, I said to Laura, hey, there's a compassionate act I took today. We've got February 9th, 10th, and 11th. We've got Dr. Gary Simmons. Dr. Jane will be here with him. Uh, Jane Simmons will be next week doing our talks. We're going to offer the Q process on Saturday. I know some of you are repeating. I'm telling you what, I'm there. I'm going to repeat the Q process. I'm going to get trained in it. It's part of what I'm passionate about. I know that this simple, powerful technique can help transform consciousness. And that's what I'm devoted to. Because there are people that have gone before me that have given their blood, sweat, tears, and their entire life so that I can stand before you today. And, and speak from my heart and speak from a sense of knowing that transformation is possible. And I want that. I want you to be so in love with yourself, not because of your ego, but because you understand the truth of who and what you are. You're amazing. You're powerful. You're eternal. You are a force for good upon this planet. If you're going to live from many selves, live from those selves. Live from those selves. It's okay that you thrive, that you prosper, that you have great love in your life that there's creativity, that you're intuitively connected to what you need to know, you'll know it when it happens. We're gonna do a compa- the compassion action card I've talked about. And what, the other thing we're doing this month for February for love, we're gonna invite you to bring a candle. So we've got a few up here now. We've also got our banner. I want you that says, peace begins with me. That's the proclamation from the city. Mayor Don Iveson signed that for us. It's a beautiful proclamation of what we stand for in this season. If you'd like to come up and sign our banner, which says, Peace Begins With Me, please do so. We have a number of signatures already. We had strangers walking through the city hall sign it, come over and sign it. But please sign it before you leave, because it makes a difference. You make the pilgrimage here to do this. The candles represent a, a candle for someone that you love that's made a difference, whether they're alive or past. It could be several. I'm bringing a few candles, and we're going to light them. The last Sunday of this month, we're going to light them. And, and, and we're inviting you to bring your own candle. We'll light it, and then you can take that candle home with you. But give some thought to that. Who has made a difference in your life? Can you read? Maybe you want to light a candle for a teacher that taught you how to read. I had a teacher in grade f- uh, four that taught me the multiplication tables. And if, if there were a PhD for teaching a student the multiplication tables, she deserved one because I refused to learn the multiplication tables. It took months. I'm going to light a candle for Mrs. Cosgrove this month out of love. She's passed on. So we're going to do this as a ritual. So it actionizes, it gives us a place to move, and it it makes it tangible. So self-awareness, as Dr. Holmes said, is not enough. It's doing something. And this community is going through a transformation right now, and it's time for us to do things. It's time for us to take our consciousness out into the world in a bigger, more wonderful way. Because if we don't, the world loses all the gifts that you have, the talents you have, the wonder that you are, the joy that you are. So when I look at the high school students, I say, you guys don't need to be stressed anymore. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you about transformation. And then we become that story. We become the Christed presence on the planet. Holmes said it's the marriage between the divine and the human is where the Christ is represented. That's what it means. 
So thank you so much for being part of this, for, for making the trip here today on this very cold day. I know parking is at, at a premium today because of the large windrow. But something good is happening here, as the song says. And it's you. You are the ones we've been waiting for. Think about a candle that you can bring. Think about taking a card, a random act of kindness. And thank you for being part of this tribe of possibility. There's good breaking out everywhere in amazing ways. And I'm so delighted to be alive at this important time to help foster and give birth to that which wants to be given expression. Blessings, and so it is.